This morning, if you want to follow along, we're actually going to be in John chapter 9. Now, we've been going through the, the seven signs, and you might be thinking, well, how do we get all the way to chapter 9? Uh, that's because that's the next time that you get a sign uh, in John's gospel. He, he doesn't record one for, uh, for a little bit there. And this sign in John chapter 9 is going to be the sixth sign that John records. And this sign is one in which a man who was born blind is able to receive sight. John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Could you imagine what that would have been like to be able to to see again for the first time? Well, this sixth sign that we're looking at whenever Jesus heals this man that was born blind... I think one thing that kind of helps tie this together is if we look at seven different sayings that appear throughout this passage. And each time that we take a look at at different scripture sections, uh, I want you to notice that the first one deals with whenever the man is actually healed. So verses one through seven, we get when the man is healed. However, uh, there's more than just that because um, after the man is healed, then so many people want to know what's going on. And people keep questioning him. So the next time that we keep looking at it, we'll keep looking at different sections where people continue to question this man or people related to the man, trying to figure out what happened and and how did this happen and what's going on. But this man right here, whenever he is healed, there's one quotation that is very important. And that shows up in verse 3. In John chapter 9, verse 3, We read that this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, the disciples, they had their questions. Why was this man born blind? So, you know, sometimes we have our our own way of putting it. Sometimes we ask questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, sometimes we ask questions like that. We want to know the reason behind it. Well, the reason behind this one was so that the works of God would be displayed. It didn't have anything to do with sin, not, not in this particular occasion. What it did have to do with is the works of God, being able to be revealed, being able to be seen. After that, the next section that we see, the man is questioned by his neighbors. Now, this is just kind of a mild questioning. It's not like an interrogation. It's just they have these questions, okay? Are you this guy and and what's going on? And one quotation that I think that we get from here that, that speaks volumes about what the man says is the simple statement that as they're kind of Asking, okay, is, is this the guy? Is you know, I don't know, he kind of looks like him, but is he the guy or not? In verse 9, the man says, I am the man. Now, you know, that might not sound like much, 
But think about it. For this guy to be the same guy who was born blind, that means a miracle has most certainly happened. See, miracles can and they do happen. And it's important for us to take notice of it whenever they do. And here in this, this man stating, I am the man, that tells us without a shadow of a doubt, this miracle did take place. This man who has never been able to see before is suddenly able to see. I mean, think about it. If this were you, and right now, in, in whatever age you are right now, if this was the first day that you could see, what would you go and do? What would you go and see? How would your view of the world be different from this day forward? That's what this guy was experiencing. And he was trying to learn all these things about it. And as you will kind of notice, he doesn't just yet know a whole lot about Jesus, even though Jesus has healed him. See, that's kind of interesting because some of these, these signs, some of these miracles that we see Jesus doing, it's not like he gives an hour-long sermon every time to explain exactly who he is. Now, sometimes those explanations do come, but not always immediately. Sometimes people have to learn in different stages. And this man, as of right now, what he's saying is, I am the man, a miracle has taken place. But then the questioning gets a little bit more into the realm of kind of interrogating. Let's look at this. Verse 13 through verse 17. Now we read this. They brought the Pharisees, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, How can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It is your eyes he opened. The man replied, He is a prophet. So this quotation, this saying that we have here, that I believe is so powerful is the statement that the man is willing to say at this point, And that is, he is a prophet. Now, he doesn't necessarily know a whole, whole lot about who Jesus is. But he is at this point willing to say, this man's a prophet. This man is something special. He has done something special to me, for me. Well, in this uh, quotation and in this phrase, it kind of makes us think about, are we willing to see God working? In our lives, Because this man, he was willing to see it. He was willing to, to notice what was going on. Are we willing to praise him? I mean, he called him a prophet. And we're going to later find out in just a moment that that could kind of get this man in trouble because some of these religious leaders didn't always like to hear these statements about Jesus. For instance, in the next section, what we're going to find is it's no longer just the man who's being questioned, but now we see the man's parents are brought in for questioning. Notice this, beginning of verse 18. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that, uh, that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know that he is born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogues. That is why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So now when it comes time to his parents to be questioned, because of their fear, they make this statement, he is of age, ask him. 
See, when consequences arise, whenever we know that we could get in trouble for perhaps being on the same side of Jesus, what is our character going to show then? Are we going to be like the man who openly proclaimed, yeah, he's a prophet. Yes, a miracle has taken place. Or are we going to respond like the man's parents? Which, you know, by the way, this isn't like some teenager necessarily. No, this is described as a man. And his parents would have been older, but yet they're not willing to step up and to make the bold statement, a miracle has taken place. Because they don't want to be kicked out of the synagogue. They don't want to be taken away from their benefits of being able to, to go to the synagogue and to be among the people. Their consequences were too great to follow Jesus at this stage. So the questions continue. This time the man is questioned by the Pharisees again. Verse 24. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, why did he do it? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we don't know where he, has, where he comes from. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you, are steeped, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? Then they threw him out. The saying that comes, that I believe it's very powerful from this passage, is in verse 25, where the man says, I was blind, but now I see. Maybe you've even sung that same phrase before, numerous times. It's very familiar, and it comes back to this story right here. Are you willing to openly confess like this man? Perhaps even multiple times, because this is already the second time that he's been questioned. And we see that he's willing to make these statements, even knowing the consequences. And the consequences apparently were carried out because that last verse says that they threw him out. They threw him out of the synagogue. Those punishments that his parents were trying to avoid by passing it off and saying, well, he's of age, ask him. Those same consequences have now come to this man. Now they've been carried out in this man. He is not, no longer able to come to the synagogue. Now, we don't know if maybe that's like a temporary timeout from the synagogue or what that is, but they don't want to have anything to do with this man because he keeps saying a miracle has been done. Jesus has done this miracle. Something great is in our midst. So from this statement right here, I was blind, but now I see. Are you willing to openly confess of what Jesus has done and how Jesus has helped you? The next few verses and the final verses that will take us throughout the rest of this chapter show us now that the man is questioned by Jesus this time. But this time it's not an interrogation. It's a loving conversation that Jesus has with him. Verse 35, Jesus heard that, that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see 
and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you see, your guilt remains. And here in these verses, we actually see two more of these phrases, the sixth and the seventh phrase. But this sixth phrase that we see is the man himself. He says, Lord, I believe. And then he worshiped him. I know that worshiping him isn't exactly a a saying, you know, it's not exactly a quotation. But it's so important because right here we see this man is willing to not just say, yeah, Jesus is something great. Jesus is powerful. No, he's willing to worship him. He's willing to say, Lord, I believe. Jesus is certainly worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. This man realized it. He realized his life was never going to be the same after this encounter. And I believe that we all can can agree as well that whenever we encounter Jesus Christ, and whenever Jesus Christ has made us new and given us new vision, then we can never be the same either. And we are really left with the same response, that we should respond with, Lord, I believe, and we worship Jesus Christ. There's also another saying that comes here, and that is a saying by Jesus. And Jesus says kind of some, some interesting things here and some, some kind of difficult things. The Pharisees most certainly didn't want to hear this message. But Jesus talks about judgment, and he gives an image about this judgment. He says, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. He says that in verse 39, and, and he, he kind of talks about this reversal. This is one of those great phrases that Jesus has, kind of like the first will be last and the last will be first. You know, you think of that and you're thinking, no, the first in the line are going to be the first in the line. That's how it always is. No, Jesus is talking about something bigger than that. And here in this case, he's talking about those people who are blind will see, just like that man. His life was changed. His life was dark before Jesus came into it. But now he's able to see the light of the world. But then Jesus also tells us something else interesting about the judgment that he is, uh, is engaged in in the world. And those who see will become blind. Well, there we see this with the Pharisees. That the Pharisees, they were able to see, so to speak. They claimed they could have this spiritual sight that was just so great. In fact, they kind of looked down upon this man saying, you know, how dare you lecture us? How can you teach us anything? We're the ones who know all these things. They were claiming to be the ones who see. Yet in reality, they are the ones who are blind in this story. And Jesus is getting us to look at our own lives and to see which are we. Are we the ones who are blind who need to see? Or are we the ones who claim that we can see, but yet really we're just blind? Do you have eyes to see what God has done? Do you have eyes to see what God is doing? If not, then I suggest that you ask God to open them because he is capable of opening them. He's capable of making everything around us, sustaining everything around us. He's capable of making us new. And in the future, he will make all things new. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that we believe in. So in this story, in this chapter that we look at and that we, that we read and that we, can, that we can share together, who are you like from this story? You know, you, you've got a lot of different characters. You've got the Pharisees. You've got the neighbors. You've got the parents, and you've got the man. Which one are you most like? Because they all kind of had their own ways of looking at things, and their own ways of looking at at the evidence and what this miracle meant to them. But even more importantly than that, and I I guess kind of the, the spiritual application of it all, is going back to this statement that Jesus makes. Who are you like from the story? Are you like those who are blind, who need to see? 
and who Jesus Christ is more than willing to heal you of? Or are you like those who claimed you could see? And in reality, you're just a blind guy that's trying to lead more blind people. Is that your description? Obviously, we see how we should be. We see the judgment that Jesus Christ has brought, and we see the judgment that Jesus Christ is trying to get us to to see right here and right now. So if you find out that maybe you're not exactly the person that you should be, or maybe you don't actually have the sight that you should have, trust in God. Ask Him to, to allow you to have that sight, to allow you to be able to see things clearly, to see the light of the world, to serve the light of the world, and to follow the light of the world. 